welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host with my co-host, Benjamin Bateman. What's up, everybody? Big time salute to you. That's an action thing. Big time tie straight, and that's a Nerds and Suits thing. And, uh, and a pinky out here to our uh, nobles of House Modern. Oh. Big thanks to Andrew Kelso for sticking for sticking with us. Uh, we, we are excited to have you guys in there to all of the nobles of House Modern. Thank you for anybody who has ever supported that program. And for you, Andrew, it's fun to hang out with you in these shows uh, that we do before the show where we get to talk about the subject matter. So, yeah. Um, sneak, yeah. sneak deets. He gets it a week early. He would have been able This one today is a cool one. I'm actually, I'm pretty excited for today's episode. I think it's a really interesting concept and it comes on the heels of pretty big stuff happening, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I was going to let you introduce the fact that we are the Masters of Modern Podcast. Oh, we did. Uh, so I actually, I've, I've, I've decided a while back that I want to just get jumped right into the subject matter and we can do shout outs later because for people just tuning to us on YouTube or other places, they don't need to hear about random shout outs. They want to hear about what our takes are on the ban and restricted announcements as well as... Uh, the subject matter of the episode. So uh, this Monday, uh, which was the August second, August third, uh, Wizards of the Coast, in an emergency ban announcement, announced uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven bannings uh, all at once in formats ranging from standard to pioneer to historic to brawl. Um, and I'm gonna just read them off because that I think is the easiest one. In standard, uh, wilderness reclamation, growth spiral. Teferi Time Raveler and Cauldron Familiar were banned. Um, in Pioneer, Inverter of Truth, Kethis, the Hidden Hand, Walking Ballista, and Underworld Breach were banned. In Historic, Wilderness Reclamation and Teferi Time Raveler were both suspended. And in Brawl, Teferi Time Raveler is banned. Um, I think we should just briefly talk or just briefly or unbriefly discuss each of the the different formats kind of individually and then cards into it. And then the subject matter for the remainder of the episode is we are actually going to rank. Uh, so it ends up that uh, a total of 22 cards have been banned since 2006. Uh, since 2017, 20 of them have been banned, which I think is the most. That's cards banned such that a period. wild statistic. Yeah. That's so crazy to think that in the day of Stoneforge Mystic and Jace being banned, when we were like, oh my goodness, two cards with an emergency banning. This never happens. These cards have to be on an otherworldly level of power. And, and this is in standard, right? Forward. This is this is specifically in standard. Um because there's a, there where there are even more cards banned if you include every format. I I, I don't right. even know the number off the top of my head. Uh, I can probably look it up at some point. But yes. It has been it's crazy. wild. It's been wild. It's obviously a difference in philosophy, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit kind of as we go through these initial bannings. Now, it's notable for us to point out that this is obviously the show is called The Masters of Modern. We're talking initially about bannings that aren't in modern, but thankfully, there were no modern bannings this time. Uh, you know, they, we do get modern bannings periodically, uh, when, and we will talk about them when they happen. Though, I do think this is a pretty major step for Wizards. There's a lot of wrongs uh, that have been sort of righted here, uh, and not everybody necessarily thinks so, but definitely a lot of stagnant formats that they decided to really throw a wrench and shatter the glass. Um, monkey wrench, glass shattering. There's some, a some lot of metaphors happening. Visual. There's a lot of metaphors. <laughs> None of them are the same metaphor. <laughs> have you ever thrown a wrench at a glass? No, <laughs> Maybe. I'm very clumsy. People really shouldn't give me wrenches. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you, I mean, and, and you mentioned modern, like one thing is that is relevant is like always cards that are banned in standard and other formats looking at their effects on modern, which is what we're going to do as, as the second half of this episode, as well as just looking at the fact that, you know, there's definitely one card on this list that I think has uh, a, a chance to be banned in standard or in modern 
within our, I mean, I was going to say our lifetimes, but that's a ridiculous sentence. Uh, but soon we're, we'll get that into in a second. But I do want to talk a little bit about just kind of each of the formats individually. Um, and, and as a podcast, we talk about Pioneer, Historic, Brawl, and all these other formats as well. So it's it's not too much out of our wheelhouse. Um, with Standard, it, this definitely was like kind of the cause of, I think, the emergency ban. I think the other cards were banned because they realized they needed to ban those cards as well. But after the two very high pro, there, there were two like pro tour opens, right, on uh, over the last couple weekends. And um, just Wilderness Reclamation was above and beyond just dominant of the format. Growth Spiral has been behind a lot of extremely powerful decks to be around uh, just throughout the last its existence in the format. Wizards has only like three months of of this format existing and I think realized that just like let's get rid of these cards because Magic on Arena is so much more of a focus than it normally would be. People's paper collections aren't being really affected. Let's let's get past these cards to Fairy Time Raveler honestly might be on a list of most unfun cards uh, ever printed or at least printed in, in the last 10 years. Oddly enough, this actual most unfun card being Oka was printed in the last year as well. So it's been wild. Um, but those the, that that seems, and that we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. And then Culture Familiar is an interesting one, right? That's the one that I think sticks out the most as like, oh, why? And a lot of people speculate, and, and in the announcement, they kind of explained that, that a chunk of it is, it's like, it is not a clean, efficient card on Arena. Um, the way the amount of steps you have to click through to get that loop going is really inefficient yeah. versus paper magic. And so they banned it for two reasons. One, they think, you know, every time they've been doing these big bannings, this red black sacrifice engine deck always just kind of pops its head back at being one of the best decks in the format. And so they figured this could just be the best deck. If this is the best deck, this is a miserable deck to be the best deck, partially because of the interaction with this card and arena. Um, someone asked, I don't. I have this list built up, so I can't really get to it. Uh, someone did ask on Twitter, like, is this the first card to ever be banned in standard or banned in general due to its interaction uh, with just the digital client? And I think it might be. My answer, though, was this is not the first card in a high-profile way that has been banned due to its, like, interaction with rules right, on a right, timeliness right. perspective. An, an, like, eggs and yeah, top yeah, both yeah. being banned uh, feel very uh, yeah, similar. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah, the standard bannings going through them and look, kind of looking at them. Some of them make some of them make pure and clear sense, right? Like like um, okay, Teferi being banned, for instance, is a card that like they don't really want to ban cards that say Teferi. That's like not a thing that they want to do. Wizards is not happy about having to do that. There are a few flagship characters that are like really important to the brand. Teferi is one of those characters. It's like a Jace. And this card, obviously, they they by making it rare by not making it a mythic when they printed it. They just sort of undershot how effective it was going to be, I guess. Like they, they, they obviously looked at it and thought that it was going to be because just generally speaking, they don't, they don't print things other than lands at rare that they don't expect to be a little less than the flashy mythics. Mythics should always be the card they expect. This will be the card. No, I don't don't agree with that. I don't think rarity is an issue here. I think, I think what, like, I don't know how you didn't look at Reflector Mage and realize that this had to be banned in standard. This had to be, this was a dominant card in modern. This is, you know, based on a land of uh, not land of war, right? Or yeah, land, not land of war, uh, man of war, man of war, a card that at its first time being legal was also very dominant. And we're like, Hey, why don't we make that card a planeswalker and better? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I, I think, I think like 
Okay, so again, I, I'm not saying that they under they undersold it. Like they looked at it, were like, "There's no way this will be a problem." It was a Teferi. They wanted to push a Teferi. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying I think that this card so vastly exceeded what they expected in terms of its impact. And I actually think the minus ability is very powerful. But it's actually just having something in play that doesn't allow your opponents to play things at instant speed that cost you three mana. That like if they're not set up in the turn following the time you play it to get rid of it, based on what you're doing the rest of the game will be miserable. Like, it's just going to be unfun. And it doesn't matter if it's in standard or modern or historic. It doesn't matter what format it's in. It, it's always the same play experience against it. It's horrible. Right. It's, it's, um, a, it's a very unfun card. And that's that's some of the comments online as well, right? That, like, not only does Teferi... Like, Teferi and Culture Familiar weren't really banned for power level reasons, right? Teferi wasn't dominating standard or these other formats. But what it was doing was making every game where it showed up miserable. And so this was a card that was banned partially just due to funness, right? It was making magic worse by existing. And I think you can trace, you mentioned two cards being banned pre-2016 and then 20 cards being banned since. And I think you can trace Wizards of the Coast being try, like trying to be very active in their ear to the ground on the community and making sure that the format is righted since then. I think that's kind of what they've done, which is why the bannings have been so aggressive. Yes, they've pushed the power level. We saw what happened with War of the Spark and Modern Horizons. I mean, that's all that's all real, but it's also a level of like social media in the last five years has become like the main form of communication for everybody. So like anybody who's on Twitter or the company, like it's so much more impossible to ignore when there's a card that people feel like is a problem. But this is this is and the, I think Yeah, sorry, continue. To finish my thought, I, I just think so I think the fun factor and the expansion factor that like Hasbro is really pushing, which is like we need to get more people involved in playing our game because there now every year are more competitors than ever making interesting and fun games. So if the audience, if the audience is telling us this is not as good as we want it to be, this is boring, this sucks, this isn't a good format, they're much more prone to ban things now than I think years ago when Twitter was not as active and there were a lot less TCGs to compete with. Yeah, I think I think this is kind of one of the comments, right? It is is Magic has this unique flaw as a esport or as a as a as a digital client, digital card game, because if something's broken, they can't change it. Right it, it, in Hearthstone, if a card is too powerful, they'll make it cost one more crystal, or yeah, they'll they like buff it, it or they nerf buff it. it or nerf it. In Magic, you can't do that because it's a paper printed thing and it's out there in the world, and you're just stuck with it. So they have to figure out how to deal with that as a dilemma, and banning is is one of the ways to do it. I think also just the digital client experience. There's so many more games of standard being played on a moment to moment basis, like on an hourly basis, not not even daily basis that formats get solved a lot more quicker, right? Like people can figure out, oh, this is the best strategy. This is actually what needs to be happening. And so a lot of people have talked about maybe increasing standards rotation again, right? Go, bringing back um, what they were doing uh, right after cons block, which is like the there were two rotations a year. So it was, it was a faster rotation. Now that everything is on arena, yeah. you end up in an environment where maybe that's a better, better, better option because with arena rotating, it's more about continued play. That way cards get out a little bit quicker if they're problematic. Um, I also think London Mulligan <laughs> deserves a lot of blame that I don't think it's getting from people. I think it makes more games of magic happen. So I think on a net basis, it's a positive, but I don't think things were being balanced in respect to um, the London Mulligan happening at the same time. And so just like, especially in Pioneer is a good example, which I, I think we need to get to next. Um, just like 
combo heaven, right? Like literally they realized that inverter truth was too powerful. It was too powerful. It was like, it was dominating the format in a way that almost was killing pioneer to the extent that we would argue that it was killing pioneer. And then they're like, well, but if we get rid of this, here's three other cards that are just going to replace it as the de facto go-to combo strategy, right? You either sure. have Heliod combo, you have Kethys based combo decks, or you have underworld breach decks. And all three of these will just one of these will become this the next best combo because the problem with one of the problems pioneer has is its interaction is significantly worse than modern but its power level is getting close to the combo level of it so they just were like you know what just nuke it let's get rid of all the combos. every yeah. combo that's be... currently seeing competitive play get out of here it'll be interesting to see you know we've talked a bit about how pioneer has been kind of dying and um how we we feel like it's it's you know, but on the downswing, these bannings, we will see if this kind of reinvigorates the format for people. Um, obviously, it's not a time to reinvigorate anything in Paper Magic. There's not going to be an immediate testing ground for these bannings, which is really tough. Um, no, no. I mean, this is if you go to our episode, we we like we didn't even mention the metagame, right? Like the meta, like that was maybe a, a fault of the episode. But when we were talking about Pioneer is facing problems and is dying or is dead, it had nothing to do with the metagame at the time, though the metagame was influencing the, the environment. It was much more focused on extra metagame-based things, right? The, the world at large, the way the launches happen, the process of bannings, etc., it's comp competition with digital product. And so, and so then add the layer of the metagame. Now the metagame could be much more fun. And if we start hearing, you know, Oh, Pioneer is the best it's ever been, then maybe people start going to it, but we're still in all those other reasons that we said haven't gone away. So I I'm a little suspect of it still. Um, that being said, it having a fun metagame is the best thing to possibly give it a chance of surviving this moment. And then uh, a reinvigorated push once, once we can play magic again in person. Before we move on from standard, just really quickly, and we're going to talk about uh, these cards uh, when we get to our ranking, but I do want to just like, quickly touch on Wilderness Wreck and Growth Spiral, because I think those two cards together and what had been happening in standard for a little while, uh, Growth Spiral was a card that I think when it was printed, we both knew was going to be good. We put it, you know, we both responded to it. Wilderness Wreck was not really a card that we responded to when we previewed it. Um, it makes sense that in a format like standard, when you think about it, that Wilderness Wreck is going to be as good as it turned out to be. You know, obviously cards like Shark Typhoon being printed make it even better. But uh, it's it's sort of this idea now that in, you know, v vintage and older formats, like the ability to play really cheap counterspells to invalidate you playing things that cost four and five and six. It's a really good barometer for players to look at and be like, oh, yeah, if it's sorcery speed and it costs four five or six, it's probably not that good because my, my stuff's more efficient, cheaper. Standard doesn't have that. So when you print things that are really, really good, that give you an enormous advantage that cost four or cost five, it's kind of the same thing with Fires of Invention. Like, you can counter Fires of Invention. That, that's a thing you can do. It's the same thing you can counter Wilderness Wreck. But what happens is if you counter the four drop, they just play a Cavalier on five. And then they have a big five drop creature. If you counter Wilderness Wreck, they're like, all right, well, I probably have already ramped out with a growth spiral, so I'm probably a turn early. So now I'm going to hit my fifth land, and I'll just... I don't know, I'll, I'll play something huge or I'll wait play one more turn and I'll play Shark Typhoon. Yeah. And then if you don't counter it, the rest of the game is miserable for you. You're going to lose. You know, and like, it's just like sort of the impact of bigger spells. And I think that that's something, the big spells have been pushed really hard. Like that's definitely a place the last few years Wizards is focused is that if it costs four and it doesn't do something when it enters the battlefield and Wilderness Wreck kind of does, but like if it doesn't immediately impact the board when it comes down and it costs four or more, they're aware of the fact that 
smart players are like, I'm not going to play that. So they're like, well, we have to make it that much better. We have to make the player who does it feel like they're really getting a payoff. Well, Wilderness Reclamation is a, is a ramp card that's free. <laughs> right? It costs zero I, mana to play this card. You play it, and then you untap all of those lands. You have to have instant speed effects, right? It has to have things that can take advantage of having flash or be an instant. But otherwise, it's a free card. Where and, and and then from the turn next, it ramps you. It's it, it it is ostensibly the better half of sort of feast and famine, and you don't have to connect with the with the squadron hawk. So why is yeah growth spiral so much better than explore? What is the what is the like? Is it just the fact that it ca- it's an instant speed card? So I think so I forget who wrote it. Someone wrote it. It was on SCG. I want to say it was Ari Lax, but it could have been Sam Black and it could have been neither of them. And I could just be wrong. They wrote a really good analysis of just like green ramp and and the differences between power levels and why it's been so powerful. Um, A, Explore is borderline too good as it is. Like it has never like when it was in standard, it was one of the best cards in the format, even with Cobblade being around, right? Like Valakut decks worse played until the format rotated to the extent that Valakut was a card that was um banned at the onset of modern's creation so like explore has always been an amazing card uh you know jokingly it's time lock <laughs> uh yeah. and grow spiral is that card plus it's an instant <laughs> so i think i think it's just like right. it's taking a card that's borderline too good for most formats um, as a ramp card, or is always going to be the best ramp card you have in the form, or one of the best ramp cards you have in a format, if not the best ramp card, if maybe ramp isn't good enough in that format, and yeah. adding it to just it make being able to cast it on your opponent's turn, right? Like, I, like I, I think one of the truisms of magic is if you give a spell flash, it's better ninety percent of the time, if not ninety nine percent of the time. Like the one percent, oh, I like. And, yep. Yeah, and sometimes, and sometimes it's like outrageously better yeah. right so like so like for instance explore is borderline too good but it doesn't get played necessarily in a blue deck grow spiral it, you're going to play in a blue deck which means you probably will have counter magic which means you'll probably have things that are played at instant speed anyway and there's really no downside so like it turns a card that you were maybe going to play like red green or like you know have to just like deal with the fact that maybe your opponents were going to counter your stuff to like no you're not going to counter my stuff because i'll just counter yours and if i don't counter yours then i'll just play explore anyway I like. I would love to see a world where Gross Spiral was Selesnya colored or Golgari colored, where could agree more. Couldn't like, agree more. Like, I think. The, I think the I think, blue. Yeah. I think like because because this is the thing with gold cards, right? Gold cards are always more powerful because being gold is a extra cost. If you are two colors, it is harder to cast that card than if you are one color. And so, with that extra cost in mind, they're always going to be more powerful they're always or, or wizards always feels like they can put more power onto them and so because of that but with growth spiral the restriction they gave to growth spiral to make it an instant was make it gold including blue which is maybe the least restrictive color to have added <laughs> if you made it green white like now i have to play three colors if i want to play counter spells or i have to pay like bad white removal that has flash like there's like one enchantment i think that was in the format at the same time as this card um so like it's it becomes a much more interesting card to me if it's in a they bad also, color for flat like it's it's almost too good because it's in blue. Yeah, but it also is interesting that they they decided to take blue green and not just make blue green better like in a 
we'll just make it okay. So, so like for instance, they they printed frilled mystic, right? Which is like okay, that's cool. Like that's like a probably significantly better mystic snake. Like I'm I'm much happier to get a three two than a two two and pay the extra mana for it, like the extra colored mana. That's cool. You give me a little more power for it. You know, there's like a lot of instant speed effects on the green evolve cards, like uh, adapt evolve adapt, which is the one adapt adapt. Yeah. Um, there's like there's a lot of value and power there, and it's very cool the way they're sort of building blue and green. But it's not just the instant speed thing. They just decided to make the combination of blue and green really strong at the same time they printed Growth Spiral. So like you would think they would have sort of gone into the, the flash, the flash simic thing, but they also just gave us Oko and Uro and Hydroid Crisis, and they did all of it in the course of like a year or two. So now it's like, well, yeah, if I, even if I don't play things at instant speed, if I just ramp in these two colors. My threats are nuts. Whatever I'm doing is insane. And even Keenan, like, oh yeah, well Keenan, yeah. uh, uh, Neoform, like the list of good blue green cards of the last two years is laughable. But I think I think part of it is a they were trying to right. Like one of the like literally when we did our top ten blue green episode the first time it was oh this color combo has no identity and is bad. So I think they're looking at color identities and be like how can we make these more str- stronger? They did it on the back of Ravnica, the return to two color set. So that's even the moment that you want to look at that. They then went into multiple sets where blue green is a feature for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's just, I think it's just like growth spiral was not a mistake. I think it's the line, right? The, the difference between explore and growth spiral is the line between problematic and not problematic. And it's drawing a car. It's, it's being instant speed on that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that that's been interesting. I mean, the, the last two formats I want to talk about brawl is, isn't a big one. And we can kind of curtail brawl into the modern yeah. conversation, but uh, Historic also is seeing Wilderness Reclamation and Teferi Time Raveler suspended. For those who don't know, the difference between suspended and banned is basically, from my understanding, suspended at this point means we will either ban this card or unban it by the next ban announcement that we have in a, a serious way or by the next time a set comes out. They, they haven't been specific when that moment is, but basically the plan is to unban this card within a time period or we will ban it. But the reason we're not making a decision yet is because they don't have to refund you wild cards until they do that decision so your wild cards don't get returned on suspended cards they only get returned on uh banned cards um though interestingly enough because teferi time raveler was banned in standard if you were playing time raveler in historic you still get your cards back even though it's suspended which is what happened i got i got my final two ravelers the night before and was playing this really stupid deck with it that was trying to like bounce Wishclaw Talisman with Teferi to get like, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, and I woke up and I had four wild cards back. Yeah. So that was, that was nice. <laughs> um, I do think that, so, and then, and then Teferi Ra- Time Raveler was banned in Brawl. And which I, the funny thing about Brawl to me is that they can't banning commanders in that format. And Niv Visit is still around and he's like by far the most miserable Brawl commander to play against to the extent that I kind of stopped playing in queues. But that being said, I do think Teferi's. One thing that this has showed me is that they weren't looking at modern. Teferi's not too good at modern right now, but I can see Teferi getting kicked out of modern at some point in the future. I think it is just the same unfun issues as it has in these other formats. Modern has just had a huge refresh, so they're letting that kind of shake out first. But I can see if if Blue-White eventually gets a moment in the sun in a way, and Teferi is a big piece of that, I think Teferi goes. I think think the reason he's banned in most of these formats is a fun perspective ban, Not a power level one necessarily. And Teferi is just as unfun in every other format it's legal in. The only formats it's not going to be unfun is ones that it doesn't see play. 
Yeah, well, so we'll talk about Teferi a little bit more because, you know, Teferi is on this this list, the, the ranking we're going to do in a minute here. I do want to remind everybody here uh, before we get into the full ranking on the episode to please uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit that thumbs up button on the video because that definitely means a big thing. And one of the things we've not done in the past as much, but I really want to start doing is ask you guys to leave a comment. If you've watched the video, I'm serious, guys. If every single person who watches this leaves a comment that even just says like, hey, great episode. These episodes do so much better on the YouTube algorithm. It's it, they set the thing up to mean that interaction grows your channel. And so just if you're a fan of Masters of Modern, please leave a comment. It would mean the world to us. The last thing is we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the MMcast. There's a bunch of cool levels. We're actually going to be coming out with a brand new video very soon here, kind of explaining to you guys all the levels we're doing. But I do want to tell you guys that every single Monday, we've been playing Commander at 8.30, streaming live on the YouTube channel. I've been doing it. I've been having a great time doing it. It's been very fun. And one of the new levels we're trying to figure out is a way to involve you guys in that commander game, whether it's suggesting the deck or it's maybe playing in the game. We, we have to figure it out together. But if you're a patron right now already, send us a message directly on Patreon. Let us know. Do you have a suggestion for that? I mean, is there something you would love to see as a patron? If you're not already a patron and you want to sign up and become a part of it, um, we're really excited about it. I've had a great time. We played competitive EDH. Uh, I, I had a great time doing that. So um, that, that's my spiel. Yeah, and we have we have we have some pretty sweet guests lined up for the next next couple weeks. Um, so we're we're really stoked. So Mondays, 8:30 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time or Pacific Daylight Time. I don't know how PDT and PSD works. Honestly, time is a construct. But uh, <laughs> 8.30 in Los Angeles, 8.30 p.m. Um, and it's it's been a blast. I've been really enjoying it. I'm excited. I think I'm going to play Geist next week, though it depends on what you're I've got. A, I've got I've got like a new deck, right? Right. Like, so I think Najila is going to be done. And I and the reason I'm playing Najila is because it allows me to play all of the free counter spells in Commander, which I'm okay. like, like all of those free, like if you control a commander, this happens. And because it's a five color commander, I get five free spells, which I'm all about. So um, Ben's, it's Ben's like a Kaikar Najila deck. Ben's been slowly just like building CDH decks. <laughs> he like, <laughs> like totally Thassa's Oracle uh, comboed us all out last night. And it was fun. No, it was, it was a good moment because we were going on long enough to die. But um, excuse me, it's been a blast. It's, it's awesome. Definitely come hang out and we it's on my Twitter at Kess, or Kess Wiley. Sorry, it's on my Twitch, Kess Wiley. You can follow me everywhere else at Kess Wiley. Um, and then it's also being streamed to this YouTube channel. So just like and subscribe. You get, hit the yes, bell. Hit please. The bell, get an alert. Comment please, please, on please. which commander deck you'd like us to play or any commanders you want us to look at and maybe build. Um, all right. So second half of the episode. Are you ready? We're ranking all 22 cards banned in standard since Jason Stoneforce Mystic. <laughs> uh, and, and, and we're ranking these in modern based on power level in modern right now. That's yes. how we did this. So it's it's basically, it's, you know, it's like if, 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 I don't know, Jace the Mind Sculptor, for instance, which at one time was banned uh, and it was banned in standard, how good is that in modern today? Not at one the time that it was banned. And I would say, I would say power level within the last year and a half. Because there's there's at least two cards on this list that are also banned in, in modern. So uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So like when it was a thing. Yeah, yeah. So so um, those generally got high points. So don't worry. All right, starting at the bottom, number twenty two, Rogue Refiner. It's blue green one. I believe it's a three two. When it enters the battlefield, you create like two energy and draw a card. I, I think is the card. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. If it's not that, it's off barely, and it doesn't matter because this is a card that was just banned for standard because. The energy deck in standard was good and like, you know, it's probably comparable maybe by half to like a kitchen things in terms of the advantage you get. It's like a little worse. It doesn't do enough things. It's not recursive and it costs three and it's sorcery speed. Drawing a card is great, but like 
this is just a, a product of its environment. This is a zero in modern. Nobody yeah, yeah. It, it, modern it, unless they were playing it. This was deck. a this was a deck where they just needed to get rid of energy, and they got rid of every good version of an energy card. And this is one of them. Our our, our bottom two cards are, and I'm just going to talk about number number two. Uh, and and, and uh, before we get into this, I do want to explain how we rank this. I listed every one of these cards. Ben and me both gave our secret ranking for each of them, and then we totaled those out and then ranked them amongst yourself, and we we got with a pure ranking. So these are very definitive. There's no arguing about it. If you have an opinion about it, you can comment it. We might read it. We might not. Who knows? Because this is the correct ranking of these cards. So don't try... This is the forever it's ranking. These are the decisions uh, of the Evan cast. A tune with Aether, number m- number 21. This is uh, for one green. You can search your deck for any basic land, um, and it makes two energy, right? That's the that's the whole thing, two three, energy I think, I think it makes three energy. No, no you, I'm looking at it. You get two energy. It's two? Okay. Yeah. And they're looking at it so, right so there. St- yeah, so again, this is this is the same thing, right? It's like, and, and, and this card honestly is more defensible, I think, than Rogue Refiner, just because Rogue Refiner, you have to make a clear decision to play a three drop, which is like, even in a deck that wants to, you know, get its energy to do a big combo, you're still playing just like the three drop creature that draws you a card. This card is like the kind of thing that like most decks would just play. And the fact that it gets you advantage while also fixing your mana is what makes it a little better, but still energy was not pushed quite to the level that it belonged in modern, which is why I think it just ends up pretty low on the list for me. Which is good because it's not, I, yeah, I, I think I think a two with Aether is the card that if energy is everything in modern, it'll be, this card will be included, right? It, it, it's It's a powerful effect that is only going to be good if the mechanic it's based around is good, and until that happens, it, it won't see play. Um, the next card, I want to make sure I didn't touch anything wrong. Uh, the next card on our list, is, number 20, is Ramanap Ruins. This is the one red ma- land. Yeah, this is, this is the, this, it creates colorless, you can add one uh, red and, and lose a life, and it, it basically has the, the damage aspect. It's, it's not that different from, like, the old, uh, the old threshold red land that you could sacrifice to deal, to deal to. It, it has kind of a similar feeling to it. And it's very good in a standard format where, like, the opportunity cost of playing this card is is very, very low. It's just a land. You don't care about your life total. It gets you red, and then eventually your lands can deal damage, which is a really good thing. Um, st- you know, I think there's probably a world where this sees, like, play in the right modern deck. If there's, like, a, an angle where your lands going to the graveyard or having more of them in the graveyard is good in a burn deck, um, I could see it getting better, but it's not pushed that it's going to make those red decks in modern good enough. So it's pretty low for me. Yeah, I, I think I think it's like, it's very powerful, right? Like this this is a card that could swing and be a much higher card in any moment. Just A, if we ever get Desert Tribal in any format, maybe it becomes better. Right. Um, personally, I would love for Desert Mana to exist. I think it's too late for that, but for like there to be five desert basics, like the, kind of snow mana, but with a different different flavor to it. Oh, that would be awesome. Why didn't they do that? That makes so much sense. I don't know. Because snow is either terrible or too good, I guess. But yeah, it would be oh. sweet. I would have loved it. Uh, they didn't. Instead, we got like desert tribal, which is cool uh, among itself. But um, yeah, I really want like desert islands and desert forests. Desert forest is the weird one. I guess it's an oasis, right? That sounds like really dope, actually. But the problem is, if they do that, then they they can't retroactively go back and like make the old deserts that work that way. I wow. guess they could. They just made Obliet they, totally do a different thing. It does uh, the same thing, but they like it's like a different thing. <laughs> there's like an aspect to the desert thing that I think actually is a missed opportunity because, like, very much in the same way that, like, when you watch Empire Strikes Back, you're like, oh my god, we're on the snow planet. This is so cool and memorable. 
snow lands, desert lands, like that type of thing that a young kid plays and like remembers very well. Mm-hmm. That actually does feel like a distinctly. You, it also there's also like a cool flavor perspective where like Nicol Bolas comes from Dominaria, I believe, uh, and it's like a world where that's where snow happened right that's where the snowlands are but then if he like originated or like his plane that he remade has like desert versions of that is sweet i think there's like a lot of dominary connection there that would have been cool as well um but we didn't get that missed opportunity desert land should produce desert mana um i think it won't happen due to astrolab and how desert or snow covered lands have affected due to modern horizons but missed opportunity for sure um Next card, number 19, probably the card that I wanted to be unbanned more, not I didn't want to, but like was the silliest for its existence on the ban list for as long as it was, was Rampaging Ferocidon, a card that pretty much was just created to fight against countercat decks once they realized that they had made the mistake. Yep, it's a menace. Players can't gain life. 3-3. Three, three. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Rampaging Ferocidon deals one damage to that creature's controller. So it's just like a very aggressive three-drop threat. It got banned at a time when like Ramanaut Red was too good and just red decks in general had way too much power level. This is actually one of the cards in this era is one of the reasons that they've re like fire was created. The the concept of like why so many powerful cards have been printed is because for like a three-year period, just mono red decks were better than everything else you did, just because from pound to pound, if nothing is powerful, red's gonna kind of just creep to the top. And this card was banned out of that deck along with Ramen Up uh, Ruins, which is just like the worst word. <laughs> top of pro- pro- probably top of the list, I would say for silliest standard bannings. Not because I think that necessarily standard would have been better if it hadn't been banned, but looking back. Like we've named all of the cards so far, basically that represent that. The like these are silly cards that were banned out of standard. This card in particular, though, if you showed me this card, like I do not play this card in a Highlander wheel of six hundred cards. This is a card that was banned in standard. In fact, I don't play a single one of the cards so far that we've talked about. Maybe Ramanov. It's possible I play it because lands. It's e- that's have a it's, to be better. It's, that's like an easy add. There's minimal cost. Uh, here, here's the thing with Raman, uh, raging rampaging Ferasidon. When it was banned, fine with the decision. It, it, like, it, it was a card that they kind of even admitted themselves. This was pushed to solve a problem that we had to ban, and now is so it's it's the um, invasive species problem. Do you know the story of cane toads in Australia? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So so cane toads are this frog. This is the hot take, by the this way. Is the hot take. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, cane toads are this frog that um, is poisonous, but it, it eats this type of back not bacteria. I think it's a, a parasite um, that was like rampaging around um australia and they're like oh well let's get these cane toads they'll eat this thing that's hurting our crops they bring the cane toad in to kind of do it it kind of ends up there's no predator for it there because it's poisonous so there's nothing that can kill it so it ends up and they like breed super quick so it ends up consuming the country so there's these and it was it was brought in as a problem to solve this other problem that problem went away and then they had this new problem that was so much worse and that's kind of what rampaging ferocidon was at the time of its release where they built it to be this tuned weapon to fight against going infinite with countercat because they thought that Sahili plus plus Felidar Sarvan was going to be too powerful and was not going to be something they'd ban, but it's just on the edge of too powerful. Ends up they banned it, I so think- then this card comes out and is not the right answer. But at that time, then just mono red decks were the best thing on the planet, and so they're like, okay, let's ban it. But then standard rotates <laughs> and it's yeah. just like red becomes trash. This card doesn't even compare to the power level of other cards in the format, which include like Dominaria. And so they're just like, 
they just it just never got taken off the ban list until the very very last second um out of just momentum i think i feel like i feel like probably this card should have cost red three should have been a one four had the same ability and should have said if a player has gained life since your last turn this this card costs one less to cast Literally, that's it. And then it would have been simple. It would have been like, okay, this is a, this is a sweet blocker. It's an anti-life gain card. It's not that aggressive. Uh, no problem. No one will ever play this card except as maybe a sideboard card in standard. And then it's the same cost naturally as Felidar, Felidar Guardian. It has the same stats, basically. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't the case. And, and whatever. We have a silly card to look back on. What's next? Uh, four mana, legendary artifact, Aetherworks Marvel. Whenever a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get a energy. You may tap it and pay six energy. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may cast a card from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in, in random order. This is low, kind of sadly. This would be a really cool card. People always are trying to make energy work. And it, like, There's a lot of cards uh, below this card that would be better if this was playable in modern, right? Like, this was the payoff for energy. This was the most powerful thing you could do. It snuck Emrakul's into play. It snuck other really powerful uh, uh, threats into play. And um, just... It's just not powerful enough. Like it just it's like a four mana that wins the game, but you have to do so much work with bad cards that in modern you, there's just good cards you can play that win you the game. It was kind of like the argument between um uh Arclight Phoenix and Vengevine when Arclight Phoenix came out, right? Like Vengevine was at that point kind of not considered the best card. Now it always it randomly comes back. But part of that is you just have to play with bad cards to get Vengevine to work. You have to play with Self-mill cards that are creatures. Arclight Phoenix, you have to play with spells <laughs> uh, that are all already good. So that card just is that much better. And Aetherworks Marvel is kind of the reverse of that. We're just like, Rogue Refiner and Tomb with Aether aren't good enough for modern. They just aren't. And to be able to play this card, you have to play with those cards, which means that you're doing a lot of work to sneak a big thing into play. And like Tron lands exist. <laughs> and like other things think, that can ramp. I think in standard looking back at this this card why it was banned it's like they basically designed a a standard format where like okay so here's the best cards that you can play to get you energy and this is the big payoff that will win you the game but the rest of standard is not designed at the time so that if you're playing all of those cards there are obvious decks that will be better than those cards like they just didn't design it correctly because like this was just the best deck. Like it was just clearly you you were playing pretty reasonable effects. Like a tune of Aether gets you land. Rogue Refiner is a pretty decent three drop for standard power levels. That all makes sense. The problem was knowing that they had only designed a certain number of energy cards. And this was the thing you were building towards the rest of standard wasn't designed to beat it. And that was just a mistake on their part. And it's not, you know, modern's too big to fall victim to that, but standard's pretty narrow. And so it, it had a little bit of the birthing pot issue, right? Where like every cool threat they printed made Aetherworks Marvel better. Uh, just because like, oh, I can't cheat Emrakul, you banned it, but let's cheat in this other big threat that you printed. This next set has this other cool thing yeah. I can put in with Aetherworks Marvel. It also had like the artifact set matters problem that they have where it's just like the colors you needed, you can kind of play whatever you wanted because between this being colorless and the main payoffs being colorless and a tune with Aether getting any color you needed, it was really easy. This is another card that like literally multiple cards needed to be banned before they banned this. Like they banned a tune with Aether, they banned uh, Emrakul. So they banned cards before they were eventually got to Aetherworks Marvel. And finally, just like, you know what, this card's the problem. 
And yep. and uh, kind of the same reason that a two with eight or Rogue Finder being on this list is kind of funny because those cards aren't very powerful. They were banned as lead ups to Aetherworks Marvel being banned because they were trying to keep this card a engine card in the format while getting rid of other ones. Uh, I'm quickly going to do this to my camera because that seems to change my camera so it focuses on me to an extent. Yep, better. Yep, um, you look good. Yeah, I think I think I think Marvel is a pretty good example of a card that is just it's the pinnacle of a new mechanic pushed in a standard format that couldn't handle that mechanic. Um, and, and it's not going to make an impact in modern because we're not going to get any more energy cards. If we go back to more energy, maybe, but not for now. I don't think we will. I think it like is relatively considered a mistake in how they used it. Maybe they do. Maybe they think they can do a better job, but it seems like a, a mechanic that they like won't go back to. Um, Agent of Treachery is the next card. Hmm. Uh, this card is the first card that was banned uh, in recent times. Um, two mana, two blue and five. It's a two, three. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like a human wizard. When it enters the human battlefield, rogue. game control. Human rogue, sick. <laughs> game control of target permanent. It's not until end of turn. So it's a, a permanent game control of target permanent. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, you draw three cards of what happens. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's you gain control permanently. You don't like, it's not until this creature leaves. Uh, and then at the beginning of your end step, if you control three or more permanents, you don't own draw three cards. So it, it, it was funny. So before, right before it got banned up to that point, I had played with the card a few different times and played against it and only the mind control effect mattered, right? It just was the best reanimating threat. You got to steal one thing. And so I had only ever really read that part and the second half I just like ignored or forgot existed. And then at the very end when the clone decks were kind of dealing with it, so you were like copying it and playing like, uh, uh, what was the companion, the companion Garuda? Yep. Um, to to kind of get multiple copies of it into play, and then you started just like very easily triggering the draw three cards. I was like, <laughs> "This is insane! Why does this have ancestral visions attached to the back end?" Um, yeah, this card's sweet. I think it's just just worse than other cards. You can be cheating because th this card essentially does not cost seven, right? Like the seven mana cost on this card basically is a is is a is a it could be like 20 mana for all, all intents and purposes. There's, there's, there's a lot of reasons too, right? It's like the fact that it costs, there's the, there's the fact that it has two power and it costs seven mana, which is pretty rare that you get something so expensive that is so uh, little in its stats because a lot of things that reference uh, reanimation effects in various formats will reference the power of a creature or the toughness of a creature or something like that. Um, so your your ability to get this thing back in various formats is like quite easy. The fact that it's, you know, it's one color means that ramping into it is, is relatively easy. It's just... Yeah, it's not a card that is necessarily you're casting a seven mana two three. Right. Um, and it's also you realize pretty quickly playing against it if they can cheat this into play even one time early, taking my land and then ramping into the next agent of treachery when I'm down a land and they've taken my land is so so deflating. Mm -hmm. That's why this card is good. It's I think it's the first card on our list that feels to me like it's just right there at modern. Like this will be in modern lists but definitely not ever at risk of being banned. Yeah, it, it, like I, definitely, I definitely can see this card jumping up and just like becoming a, a, one of the better cards on this list. Uh, it, it like, it, even the fact that like a Winota deck can just become good in modern, right? Winota has all of the trappings of a card that is good. And this is the best human to cheat in with Winota um, from a, like the, the big human. The, there's, there's conversations of more value oriented humans and that's a different conversation. But um, yeah, Agent of Treachery is just like a very sweet card. Uh, um again it's not a card that i i don't play this card currently in any highlander decks but i think that i could see it i could see building around it it like you know having a deck that that, that, that services it it's, it's powerful it's, it's a very powerful effect yeah um 
Next card, and this is, I think, where the, the these two cards ranked amongst each other are really the only controversial things that I would say we have, or the most controversial decisions so far. And it's, it, as I said, it's a very strict rule system that we follow to rank these cards. Many scientists are involved. Uh, Cauldron Familiar. This is one black for a 1-1. When it enters the battlefield, uh, target opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Unless it's all opponents lose one life and you gain one life. But uh, And then you may, if it is in your graveyard, you may sacrifice a food token to return it into play. Uh, this famously combos with Witch's Oven, which you can sacrifice a creature to make a food token. So it's a loop between the two of them, allowing you to like have an infinite blocker that then gains you life and does damage to them every turn. And if you get multiple Witch's Ovens, you can start draining them for multiple things a turn. Um, banned from most people's perspective uh, due to its... Like kind of a pain in the ass on on uh, digital clients, which is the majority of Magic right now. Um, so they just got rid of it partially for that reason. I also think that it, it is actually a pretty oppressive uh, 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 mechanic. I think that this is a card that would like this is there has been a top tier Aristocrats deck in standard since this card was printed, and it always is like the fourth best deck in the format and they just banned three other decks and they maybe were worried that it would just be the best deck and i think they were kind of nuking the earth at this moment and getting rid of every powerful strategy to some extent and you are just like sick of them missing bans right like they like didn't ban reclamation and like the world kind of mocked them for it and i think they're maybe sick of it <laughs> got rid of this card so a couple things uh, aristocrats for anybody who's listening or watching that doesn't know what that is it, it's, a, it's a famous style of deck that comes from around six or seven years ago where basically you're triggering uh whenever things die you're gaining life opponents are losing life i think cartel aristocrat is the main it card was, that uh, based on. uh it was it was uh innistrad return of ravnica standard you had cartel aristocrat and you had um the flying two red black red yeah. two drop aristocrat it was black red. Uh, I'm not sure, but basically, yeah. I mean, it's it's well, a yeah, reference yeah, to yeah, that the, There was the white black sacrifice a creature gain protection yep. from a color, and that was an aristocrat, something aristocrat. And then you had the Innistrad vampire. That was a four one flyer. Oh, oh, oh sure, 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 sure. Falconrath aristocrat, aristocrat. Yeah. So it's cartel aristocrat yeah. and Falconrath aristocrat, and and just a bunch of very powerful token generators that let you sacrifice them, gain value with those cards, but also use them for other reasons and other damaging the uh, like and, and, and damage prevention effects. And so since that deck was and, and that deck, t I think top two to pro tour, um, I think Sam black was playing it. Um, I, think it was, I thought it was Tom Martell. Maybe not. Maybe it was Tom Martell. Um, everyone's Sam black. <laughs> very good at magic. <laughs> um, and so that deck established kind of the aristocrat style, but it's, it's a sacrifice themed deck where when you sacrifice stuff, you do damage. That deck was also playing blood artist. Um, which yep. allows you to drain when you sacrifice creatures. Normally, that's something that's there as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's a pretty fan-favorite deck. People really love playing it. And it's been really cool how good it has been for the last year. Just Cauldron Familiar, I think, um, is more of a like miserable for Moto or miserable for Arena problem. I going to say, I think for Modern, the reason this makes it a little higher on the list for us, because there's there's a world where this is the, the worst card on the entire list. Like, it's a pretty it's a pretty innocuous card. You have to go, you have to have two cards to even get, like, this very, very piddly engine going. Um, but I think the reason that it makes it a little higher for me is that, A, the combo card that it goes with is Colas, which means that, A, these two cards fit into any shell where you want to base it around black, or even splash black, really. Modern's uh, support system to get the cards you want is so much greater. It's so much easier to get the things you want and there are so many more triggers when things die. You mentioned all the cards we just talked about. I mean, if, imagine if that standard deck 
with the cards we mentioned, just got to play this combo. And then also had all of the other things printed since then. You talk about that, like, the, 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 the tutor, where it's like you search your deck for a black card equal to the number of black things in your graveyard. That just, for one mana, instant speed gets you the, the cat. Like, there are so many things that have been printed since this, I feel like, that make me feel like an Aristocrats deck based around this could easily just be incredibly dominant. Um, yeah, but I think it's a little higher for me. Yeah, the 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 cat and Elven are just so pow- so cheap, right? They're so mana efficient. They're they're both card types that are also like pretty easy to find on on uh, as far as like looking for cards. Like there is like everything from Tricket Mage to to other things that find one drops. Um, and they trigger like the the mechanic triggers a lot of things. Witch's Oven is also good with a lot of cards. It's a very good sack outlet. Um, it's like very good at racing against burn decks too because you can start gaining life off the food you're sacrificing. And and just the fact that um, it's a cat, I think, is also something that is important to bring up. Like, cat tribal is a thing, and this is one of the best things to do in cat tribal, right? Like, like this is one of the best, most powerful cats. And the fact that you can play four one-drop cats that then any cat lord you play after that, and they are printing more of those every Horizon day. three-drop cat <laughs> is, like, really good. That card's a great three-drop lord. Like, plus two, plus one is insane. Right. That makes all of your little, your little, your piddly, you know, oven token witch cats three ones like that's really good right and you have you have even kahira like like so i think i think from that perspective like this is the card that gives one of the cards that gives cat tribal something different that's worth going after and doing that like humans needed and spirits needed and merfolk needed and goblins now needed to go over the top and be a, a a actual tribal strategy in modern you need to do something like merfolk are all unblockables because islands exist and they have mana destruction uh right. spirits is just a deck of flash threats <laughs> that all are counter spells every right. single card in that deck is a counter spell <laughs> yeah it's this it's, it's disruptive i think this this gets an angle that none of the other tribal gets deck uh, tribal decks get and i do think that there is i don't think it's too good now but i think the fact that you have two one drops that can essentially fit into any deck uh, makes it the kind of thing that I could just see breaking out where we ranked it a little higher. Yeah. Um, so the next controversial card is... Well, those are the two controversials, right? Like the Cauldron Familiar versus Agent of Treachery. It's possible Agent of Treachery is like top 10 on this list and Cauldron Familiar okay. is, a not, is, is the worst card. But, it's like a non-thing. Uh, okay, gotcha. The next gotcha. card, uh, you ranked lower than I did uh, with a two. I give it a six, which is fascinating because you love this card. It is Smuggler's Copter. This is a two-mana vehicle for i think equip one or not equip uh uh it's crew one it's yeah. a three three whenever it attacks or blocks draw one and discard one um and i don't know what the actual creature type of the three three copter is it's a rogue copter maybe no it's like, just a vehicle, it's just like it vehicle. Be- okay. yeah, yeah. vehicles vehicles don't have creature types i don't think don't have creature types. yeah so so this card the reason that it's so low for me is that i feel like so it's been how many years since this card was printed now? Like four, something like that? Five? I mean, it's been legal and modern the entire time. There are certain cards this card is insane with. Like, obviously, with Grand Architect, it's really good. That's like one of the one of the better cards you can play with it. The fact that Architect on turn three casts it itself, then can crew it the next turn, and then make it a 4-4 four, four flyer. Like, there's a deck right there you just build on your, on your own. It's very good. And I, I, at one point, I believed that Copter was going to be the thing that made Architect the truth like i believed it fully um there are other things you can do with copter i mean in in obviously highlander uh sorry in commander i've played it with sig uh, you know dirty sig i think it's really good with sig like you know playing obviously copter and crewing it with sig attacking for three drawing discarding triggering the draw end of turn holding open a one mana counter spell like this card really does fit nicely into that tempo shell but all that being said 
five years later, it's never seen a lick of play in modern or like a deck or two. And it's just, I can't, it's such an obviously good thing with the things I'm talking about that like, it just, I love the power level. It's just never, ever, ever even had the slightest moment. Yeah. Maybe it's just, it's just like too fair, but I, I, I don't know. This is a card that I can see once again, kind of coming back on top. It does a lot of really powerful things that I can see it being good enough. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe this one I, I I rated a little too highly. I can see me lowering my rating on this one. Um, okay, uh, there's nothing I'd rather see than this card being good. Same. That's I think <laughs> why I rated it as high as I did. I want it to be good, and I think you rated it lower than you would have from the opposite perspective that you want it to be so good and it hasn't been for you, and it's therefore been, it's you're been, mad it's at not it. been so. It's not been so not good. It's been actively bad. Sure. Like I've yeah, I've yeah, tried yeah. it. It's like it does absolutely nothing in modern. So like it's just hard. It's to, so to, fascinating to, to me it. that like in mo- <laughs> I think it's lightning bolt to me almost because in modern it's unplayable, but in pioneer they had to ban it again, right? So that's the yeah. line. <laughs> is that like what what is different between those two formats that's so great that this is not so good in one and so powerful in the other? And actually, can we just like talk for a quick second? So so architect talk costs three. Like that's too much for this card, even though I love casting it. But Sig. Play four Sig, play four of this thing. You can play a black build or 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 a blue build and pair it with like lightning bolt and other things, probably like blue red. And then Sig as just like the thing that crews it. And now every turn you have a draw discard, deal three, draw one. You have burn and counter spells. As long as you have a few other things to support it, that seems like, how could that not be good? Like that's so cheap. On For four mana, you draw... On turn three, you, you like, tap out to draw two, discard one, and do three damage. No, no, no. You 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 play you play copter turn two. Mm-hmm. Turn three, you play Sig. Sig mm-hmm. can tap immediately to crew mm-hmm. the copter. You have one open for spell pierce or whatever other counter spell you want. So yeah, you need you need one you, mana. Yeah, okay. You need a lot of one discard. mana interaction. Easy though, right? Not to mention the fact that like you can just like if you wanted to play a one drop like a uh, like like a curse catcher or a the the bird. To, to like make sure you have that extra piece of interaction in case they try to kill something on turn one those things also crew the copter so you don't really care the whole deck is kind of built around a copter at that point which like whatever but again like if you want to play flying lords and play say like storm tamer maybe instead you know like where you're just like all one one flying for one copter sig and then like things that make your flyers better i don't know like i have a hard time imagining that's not actually a thing you could do in modern that's good <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I think I think I think my like limitation on it is that Stoneforge Mystic does a lot of the work you just described, and you only need one card to kind of combo with it. Fair. Now, yeah. all three of those cards together is maybe a conversation as well. So who knows? Um, I'm gonna move on. We, yeah. we, we do want to go a little quicker through each card, especially because we're getting closer to cards that like I think people will remember. Um, but the next card is Emrakul, the Promise End. This is uh, number fourteen on our list. She is a thirteen mana thirteen Eldrazi legendary creature. Uh, has flying, trample, protection from instance. Emrakul the Promised End costs one less to cast for each card type among cards in your graveyard, and then when you cast Emrakul, you gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn. After that turn, that player takes an extra turn. So, um, this card often just wins the game by casting it. Not as thoroughly as Emrakul the Aeon's Torn. Um, banned in standard, partially because of Aetherworks Marvel, but even before that, it was kind of just dominated. Famously, the, the top two decks of the pro tour were Emrakul, the promised end fighting a deck that was playing Liliana 
the last hope, um, which were like was the story moment for uh, the uh, Shadows over Enistrad block storyline. Um, and this card's just kind of nuts when you play it. You you get to mind control your person's entire turn, and then you they like get another turn, but at that point you put them so far behind that it doesn't matter, and you have a flying trample protection from instance 1313 that they are going to have a hard time dealing with. They have like top deck now, and answer to do the it. The thing about this card is that it is it activates when you cast it. So the only way to actually get this thing to be good is you have to ramp out with like a Tron deck and you have to make sure that it resolves. And ca- actually, it's when you cast it, you get the next turn. So you don't, it doesn't even have to resolve. You just have to cast it. There's not that many things in modern you're casting for eight or nine or 10 or 11 that you are resolving. Um, it's not, there's a few, but there's not that many. Uh, there's giant things often get reanimated or like Karn or Ugin resolves, like seven drops, eight well, drops. Right. This, this is, this sees play, this sees play in Tron, right? The, the, that's the deck that plays this deck normally as a one of, um, and maybe a two of, but one of them is in the sideboard at most. And sometimes, and, and more often even just one in the sideboard, not even one in the main deck. Yeah. Um, cause there are decks that just like straight up lose to this. If you get to four mana, right? Like you can play this on turn four, right? That's the quickest Tron can get it into play. Cause you have seven then 10 and by 10, you can get artifact. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I think turn four is, is real. I think like if you compare this to old sort of old effects in, in Tron decks that were doing something similar, like mind slaver lock, it's, it's easier to, you know, it's easier to ramp out into this than that. Um, and it's better. If you do this one time, you probably win. Um, it just feels like it is a little bit extra in terms of hoops you're jumping through. The reason I put it high enough for it to beat the cards we talked about is just because I feel like it's an easier to cast haymaker effect that is colorless. So it means that beyond even what people are doing now with it, it could show up in other versions of Tron decks or other versions of ramp decks. Well, I've seen uh, it. it could get there. I've seen inside boards for Jun Jun before, right? Like there's there's like weird places to put it. The fact that this could in a like a very grindy game be eight mana less um if you're playing the right yeah. cards. So like and and Jun decks are already trying to take advantage of delirium in different ways sometimes. So like if you're playing with one, like a Tarfire, right, and and a, a Corsair of Crufix or something like that, you can get to the enchantment and tribal part that's normally missing and get this to being an 8-9 without, or an 8-mana, right? It's, there's 13-8, yeah. so that's a 5-mana five 5-mana five card with a lot of work, but, like, scaling 5-8-mana to eight mana in a Jun deck that can't get that high. And if you cast this and you're in a grindy matchup, the chances of you losing are low. Um, especially, and, that, and that's why I think, I think I think that's, like, why when going over the top of this card is appealing, it's just, like, I can't see that in any sideboard being more than, like, a 1 or a 2 of, or even in Tron, maybe, like, being like, this is the specific Tron deck that makes this a 1 or 2 of, which is, like, it's really powerful, so it gets to, it deserves a higher spot. But the fact that it's the fringe card, even in the decks it's good in, means it's not going to make the top 10. So that, that's my that's my thought on it. Uh, the next card is Nexus of Fate. Number 13, seven mana, take an extra turn. If this card would go into your graveyard, shuffle it into your library instead. I believe that's The reason this card is so high, strictly for me, and it, this is not a card I have almost ever cast in my life. You've lost. I've played it. against it. <laughs> I have. I hate your guts. Uh, look, this is a, this is a, this is a, a time walk style card that gets around a lot of the problems that uh, co- getting comboed out has has, and and honestly, like this this card in itself is just like all I need to do is like get to casting this basically and have this in my deck, and I won't lose. We it, it wasn't a big deal when it was printed, like we talked about it, but it wasn't like For this modern, is unfair yeah. and yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, And it became very unfair and stupid very fast, which means that the fact that it has that seven CMC on it is like one of the things that people like roll their eyes at. But like it's if unchecked, it's just a very dumb card. And, And I think that's what modern is. It's kind of unchecked. So this could be a dumb card in modern. The, the the fact that this is an instant is what makes the card, right? We talked about with Grow Spiral uh, earlier in the podcast about how that <coughs> that affects the like playability of a card in such a significant way. Seven mana is a lot of mana. Seven mana at instant speed is a lot less mana because you can cast this at the end of your opponent's turn on turn seven after you've ramped a few times and you have it in your backyard. The other card that this obviously does very well with is Wilderness Reclamation, which is why those cards just like shouldn't be legal in formats together, um, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but this this card is definitely like just this like interesting control finisher that a lot of decks can take advantage of. It's good in ramp strategies as well because it kind of does what Growth Spiral does, right? For 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 this amount of mana, you get to put an extra land into play and draw a card and untap. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's just it's like very powerful, and the fact that it interacts with your graveyard in the way it does is like a win condition on its own, right? You can never deck yourself if you have a Nexus of Fate in your deck, and so it's easy for you to play control decks that are just like I am going to answer every one of your threats and draw as many cards as possible, and you're never gonna lock, I'm gonna lock you out of the game with control strategies, and then eventually I'm just gonna have Nexus of Fate as the last card of my deck, and you will eventually lose because I'm just taking extra turns. And, and keeping you from 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 being able to do anything and winning with my small advantage. It's, it's a frustrating card to realize for anybody who's listening or watching that doesn't quite understand this because I didn't I didn't get this at first like I didn't read it because it was the seven mana extra turn. Nexus of fate. It is the nexus of your fate. You will lose if this is my last card. I will cast this every single turn and you'll never play again. It you can't lose if you if this is your last card and they can't find a way to exile it or something like that you'll cast it it'll go to your graveyard it'll reshuffle it'll be the last card in your deck you'll draw it you'll cast it again you'll never lose well, that's what the card is. turns and you never lose right like it, it prevents death <laughs> and and that's like what is so fascinating about the card is that like it's a unique effect there's very few of those that have ever been printed that if you can support that in a certain way and modern has enough things to support cards like this that's why this is so high not because we people have played this and like crushed a modern pro tour or something it's because like eventually someone will they'll make the deck around this card that just wins and and like everyone will be like oh man well nexus of fate is the reason that deck is a tier one deck without nexus of fate it's like a tier three deck but because of that card it's a tier one deck and it's a top top tier deck that'll happen eventually guaranteed um the next card is a uh, wilderness reclamation speaking of ways to go <laughs> big with uh ne- nexus of fate this is a two green green enchantment uh let me bring it isn't up isn't it green isn't it, isn't it green three it's I not it is, it's, it's i think you're cost- right it is it is uh three and a green enchantment all at the beginning of your end step untap all lands you control we talked about this earlier in the podcast i don't think we have to get too too farther into it other than the fact that there are just more instant speed x spells and, and good effects that you can cast to win the game with this um but basically this is like people were jumping through a lot of hoops to get sword and feast and famine to work this card is just sort of piece of famine um Without any effort, you don't need a thing to attack. You don't need to equip equipment to a threat that can be killed by a removal spell. You just can play this enchantment, and now, um, you it's free and taps all your lands. So you now get to counter any magic spells you would like to counter on your opponent's turn, and then from that point on, you can either at the end of your turn cast a spell that is equal to twice the mana you could produce with your lands, or you can cast something on your turn, then untap, and then on your opponent's turn, hold counter magic up. So it just does a lot. It ramps. It makes a lot of mana. 
I mean, basically think about it like this. If you guys have ever played a new game that isn't magic and has limited cards, there's a few cards you can play. There's always going to be the odd thing you do that it's not the popular one. It's a little weirder. And it's like that, you know, take advantage of this weird thing that people don't exactly have a lot of ways to interact with. Well, those are enchantments. So you play this card. Then you untap. So now you have eight mana instead of four mana. So now your resources that every game has have been doubled. You're way ahead on things. They have a hard time interacting with the thing and you have twice the resources. But it's not standard. It's not a new game that's been around for a year. It's a game that has cards that are legal back the last 17 years. So now you have access to every single card printed for the last 17 years that could take advantage of doubling your resources with the hardest to interact with style of card that is printed. And that's what you're dealing with with Wilderness Wreck, which is why this card is so high for us, because eventually someone is going to come up with the deck that makes Wilderness Wreck get banned in modern. It'll just happen. It's hard to imagine it won't. Enchantments are pretty difficult to deal with. Every, um, every, and every instant speed effect over six mana is it's kind of the birthing pod problem. It's the second time this has come up. Every six mana effect that they print that is an instant speed effect for now on is breakable with wilderness reclamation. Right. Like even exactly. this year, right? Discontinu- just- discontinuity, Nexus of Fate, um, the counter spell that like is command on crack right the like 17 ability command uh uh from from M20. Right, I, mean, I, I think i think that's kind of my point is that like it's not this one is pretty easy to figure out like they they have come up with a way to just like sort of break the resource management pool of magic uh it's not overtly powerful on its surface because it's just like a four mana enchantment but if unchecked this is just totally breaks the way cards are designed and and yeah i mean if if you think about it it for four mana for, for free you get to cast a 10 mana spell on your next turn. And then another yeah. 12 mana spell on your next turn, unless you have another one of these enchantments, which then it's a 18 mana spell oh, yeah. on your next turn. They stack, they stack, <laughs> right, right. Like, 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 like Sphinx's Rev, the turn you cast this, literally just like the turn you cast this. I'll play my four drop, and then I'll just, you know, gain five, draw five on no, turn no, four. The next turn, it's the next turn you would cast. Because you on this oh, turn, oh, no, oh, 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 sure. You, you only get four mana. mana. You get four. Uh, you play this, and then you cryptic command, and then on your next turn, you Sphinx's Rub for for six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or seven, seven. Uh, so yes. Um, next card, and actually, I made a mistake. I apologize, chat. There are mistakes that happen. That was number eleven, number twelve, which is right before it, and I accidentally skipped it. Is Fires of Invention three in a red enchantment? You can cast spells on only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. You may cast spells with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana cost so another free spell <laughs> like they're it's this interesting one's a little weirder they are. this one's a little weirder because if you cast this spell let's say you ramp into it and you cast it on turn four but you have five lands because of like a grow spiral or like an explore effect so like okay so you cast it that's your first spell of the turn so now you play you know, some five drop in standard. They were Cavaliers, but you know, say what? Yeah. Planeswalker, whatever. Baneslayer, Angel of Dragon, some, some big thing that costs five. That's very good. And and if it's unchecked, they'll probably win the game. Um, and that's very good. Like it it just hinges on the ability of your opponent to interact with another four drop enchantment. It's like very much like wilderness wreck. It's, it's kind of like if unchecked, this will do better things than any other deck. There's no tempo deck or control deck that's going to deal with what you're doing. The deck, the deck that I've I've, I've played this a deck I've played modern decks that play this deck, and and the deck that seems to take the best advantage of it is just time walks dot deck, right? Like you play this, 
and then you play a time walk. Save the moment. Then you untap, and you play two more time walks. <laughs> then you untap, and you play more time walks. Um, yeah. And then at that point, you're just like burying your per- opponent in turns that then lets you play Uro and other powerful effects. Um, so it, it's like interaction with the fact that Modern has like enough efficiently costed time walks, including the three mana one that's broken with this. Um, Savor the moment. Savor yeah, the moment. Blue, yeah. blue, 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 one sorcery. Take an extra turn after this one. Skip your untap step. And but this you don't untap. Untap like your lands no longer matter. So untapping doesn't matter. So it's just like really powerful with this. So so I think if this card similar to similar to what you described with growth spiral. So if this card had cost five and had been blue red three for the same thing, um, it would have been you cast this for five and then it just goes directly into. Uh, uh, a five minute uh, time time not time twister the other one extra turn for five classic whatever it is but sure i can't think of the name of it but but yeah i time mean warp. this would have just been like say what time warp time warp yes yeah. you would have cut you would have cast this and then parallel to the mana you spent you would have cast the time warp and, and then and then like you would have had to do more but turn five is a little later the fact that it's turn four it's just a little pushed. It's it's oh, good oh. for standard and fun for standard to have a card like this because your options are lower. I mean, it was but as soon as this cycles, <laughs> yeah, as soon as this like recycles into a format like modern, it just gets awkward. Um, I don't really expect that this card will ever be insane in modern. Like, I think it's really powerful. I think it could, I think it could get pushed and have a good deck behind it. I don't think it'll be broken um unless the extra turns deck takes off and becomes like a tier one deck i don't know but i, I could think, be wrong I but i think it's i think it definitely pushes uh what we're able to do i think these two cards and the next card are my like at any moment this could just be the best deck in modern section they're not the next card? they haven't been before but at any moment just with the right card printed or the right metagame this is just the best card and 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 these 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 three cards and this one is probably the closest and maybe even Nexus of Fate so and like Emrakul like all of these cards have like different ways that like oh maybe this is the best card I think Emrakul is the like just misses and is kind of a sideboard card the Nexus of Fate Fire uh, uh, Fires of Invention and Wilderness Reclamation were all like oh at any moment this could be a card that's too problematic for modern for it to exist the next card which I think is also in that category is Felidar Guardian. Um, Felder Guardian is three and a white for a one four cat beast. When Felder Guardian enters the battlefield, you may exile another target permanent you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. This is a little bit different because I don't think it ever can break it, right? I think Wilderness Reclamation and Fires of Invention like could go from being a tier two deck to a tier zero deck overnight. I think this card is doing what it will always do, though eventually they might print a combo with it that is just as powerful as this, more powerful than the Sahili Felidar Guardian combo, and then it's too good. Um, so where I think this is interesting is that right now, uh, at its mana cost, Felidar Guardian is one of the only cards ever printed that does exactly what it does. It, it blinks a permanent instantly. So it means you can tap it, you know, cast it for four, and then have an untapped land the same turn right away. Um, and that's very good. It's very cool. Obviously, with Sahili, one of my favorite cards of all time, those two cards together are phenomenal. Just like they printed Thassa's Oracle uh, with, with Lab Maniac already existing, they could come up with some twist on Felidar Guardian for Standard that doesn't affect Standard that is better than this card, because on its surface, like just a 1-4 for 4 that does this is pretty boring. It like doesn't have much going for it. It's not a rare or a mythic that does like a cool thing. Like They could have some... like. They could have some like, huge drawback flash 2-1 flyer for three that does it or something. Like There's a lot of things they could come up with, make the card worse. But I think that it's unique enough now that there are plenty of things they could print that would push this over the top because the efficiency of blinking a permanent means 
there are a million different permanence lands, uh, accelerants that when it's they come like down. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, it's just it's just it, it's just a very unique effect. And like one thing to always pay attention to when you're trying to figure out the power level of magic cards, and also to some level the the, the sort of like the value spectrum of magic cards is how many things do this. When things get printed that are new, that are cool, and you're trying to evaluate, like, is this going to be worth money? Is this unique? Has anything ever done this before? Is there anything like this? And Guardian is one of the only cards ever like it. So um, I believe this card could be good tomorrow. It just depends what they print. Yeah, it, it's it's to me, there's like two features to it, right? It, it's a card that gains a ton of value that also can win you the game the moment you cast it. And, and anytime a card can do those two things on one card, it's like a card that should always be respected. The fact that I can cast this and like blink everything from a blade splicer to a kitchen finx to whatever, but then also if Sahili or um kitchen or a uh, uh, Jiki are in a play, just win, just like outright yeah, right. you lose goodbye. Uh, and and there's other they can print more effects like they like playing in that space, so I can see other effects that because Felidar Guardian is unique in that it is a blink effect on any permanent. They could print an enchantment that does something weird that makes it so this wins the game. They can print another Planeswalker. Um, it won't break standard, but in modern, it could just be like, oh, we printed Sahili. We printed Sahili, the card, like a, another Planeswalker that like minuses to make a clone. But it's like plus is good. They could also have some card that was like whenever a creature with power one or less enters the battlefield, like copy. It. I don't know, like. Yeah, or like bounce a permanent or like some shenanigans that's like just like some like wonky one drop or two drop enchantment that you're like, oh, what is this card? Like, oh, I'll play this. And now my guardian on its own blinking my land also like blinks your land. And like, that's insane. There's there's like lots of things. I don't know. Like it's it it could be very good. So I think everybody has talked about it. We've talked about it on here plenty. It's a cat also. Uh, Next card. Also a good card to blink with Feldar Guardian. I think you've done this in a GP. It is a one blue and a white two three. And it is Reflector Mage. When it enters the battlefield, return a creature to uh, target opponent's hand or creature to its owner's hand. Um, and then I it's that target, player, opponent. target opponent to their uh, to their hand and they cannot cast that spell on their next turn. Um, we were talking about Teferi. This card, I don't know how Teferi was printed when this card was banned in standard. <laughs> this card was... Dominant and standard, modern playable. It's a human, so humans plays it to this day. It's one of the better blue-white control cards. It was way more widely played until Teferi was printed. Um, I think this is stayed as highly rated as it is purely because humans can play it and they can't really play Teferi, and that's like saving it at the top. But added to the effect that like it does have some more blink shenanigans that it can do. It can play with stuff that can bring blink creatures, so more death and taxi Z decks. It can be hit with collected company. Um and just you get like so much value and you're, you're able to control your opponent from stopping them from doing something almost as well as Teferi. Now, I think Teferi outclasses this card almost every other way, but I also believe that Teferi is a card that could be banned. And then that moment happens, Reflector Mage is just like right back on top. Um, also stuff like, like Restoration Angel with this card doesn't work with Teferi, right? You can't like abuse Teferi sometimes. You in the can't same blink. Way. Yeah, right, right. Um, but otherwise, otherwise it's, 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 yeah, it, I don't know anything more i want to say about reflective mage it's a really good card yeah reflective mage is like kind of a maddening card to play against i think it being a two three with human lords is kind of a problem um i think if this card had been a two one it would have been like a lot more kind of the tempo vibe you wanted out of the card to be honest like a three mana two one with the exact same effect still is playable in the same deck and does a lot of the same things it's just a lot easier to kill um it sticks around a little less and its butt is a little harder to get is a little easier to get through because like 
with a human lord, this being a three four is just like an incredibly frustrating thing to play against. It's just it's very good. Like three four is a big size. Like that's a does damage, blocks most things type of card. Um, it's also and so, it's also a wizard. Just I forgot to mention that. Just another tribe yeah. that can be eventually relevant. It's not overtly powerful. It's kind of like there's a class of three drop like Kitchen Finks that just fits into this category. And it's just like, they're just good cards. When you play against them, you're like, oh, man, you got so much out of your three mana there. Like it's, it's a really good class of magic card that they designed, which is like, it's definitely pushed for its mana cost. And it's just a pain in the ass when your opponent plays it. And that's what this card is. And it will always be, it should, I don't think it should ever be sand, uh, banned in, sand, in, in modern. It's, it's not good enough to be banned in modern. It's just really good. And, and and where I'm kind of out on Reflector Mage, I like and versus Teferi, right? Is Reflector Mage was classically unfun in standard. Like people did not like this card. This is a card people did not like. And Teferi is just a strictly better, not a strictly better version. We've talked about the small ways that it's better, but a better version than this card, right? It does it does the thing, and then you draw a card. They can cast that card again, but they can't cast it at instant speed, and you can cast spells at instant speed, so you're probably gonna counter it. <laughs> but we will talk about Teferi in a moment here. Yeah. So let's let's keep rolling down the list. Uh, Growth Spiral is next. We did talk about it at the beginning of the podcast, but number eight. We are in the top ten. So uh, uh, Felder Guardian was number ten. Reflective Mage is number nine. Growth Spiral is number eight. Um, the card's really good. Instant Speed Explorers. And like a, we had like a full discussion about it earlier. I think I think just like the thing about this card is that it will fit into many many modern decks uh, from here on out, and it won't get banned in modern until there's a specific specific reason that the deck it's in just gets that much slower without it and so it can be banned but like yeah. that's that's what's gonna have to happen it'll just have to be like the deck that is so good by slowing it down by a turn could be worse and that will mean gross spirals gone that's kind of it because otherwise it's just modern is pretty comparable at this power level there's lots of things that are this good yeah i think this card's great in modern i actually love this card in modern i would never want it to be banned in modern i just think it's very powerful there i think it's like like the same reason i've always argued like preordained could be unbanned i don't think that's ever going to happen i think it probably creates too many easy win combo decks than the format needs but like gross spiral has this perfect i think it's perfect in the format i think if there are if this card ever is too good uro and primeval titan are way closer to being banned than this card is and like so i think it's it's just it's going to be a staple of modern forever it's really sweet it does everything you ever want a card to do without and just like it, it's like the best i think it is maybe the best card for modern on this list i like live other cards, I agree. cards more but it's just like fine um the next card, i think it in modern yeah. is phenomenal yeah, yeah keep going uh the next card is veil of summer a card that i have a different opinion on this is number seven uh it is one green mana and a bunch of text that i'm never going to remember all the words so i'm going to look it up veil of not autumn's veil get out of here veil of summer is one green instant draw card if an opponent has cast a blue or black spell this turn spells you control can't be countered this turn you and permanence you control gain hexproof from blue and from black until end of turn so i think that the thing that always like i had the hardest time to kind of register was um spells you control can't be countered this turn and i realized it's because it's attached to blue um plus you getting hex proof just like so many of the things it just does so much it's i honestly think it needs to be banned i think it's in 60 percent of decks in modern right now uh which i think is too many get rid of veil summer <laughs> yeah honestly like so it's one green, right? So so the way you said it here, just to clarify, guys, it's draw a card if an opponent has cast a blue or black spell this turn. So when you read that part of the card as a new player, you're like, well, okay, I've learned my lesson. If they're not playing those cards, I can't main deck this card. Next part. 
Spells you control can't be countered this turn. So now you're saying that in response to your counterspell, my one green is going to counter your counterspell and make my giant threat that I was trying to resolve, or my combo piece, resolve. And also, because the thing you cast was probably blue, I will also draw a card. So I'm playing one green counter target spell, draw a card, which is kind of nuts. Blue doesn't get counter target spell, draw a card. It's never gotten that. If it did, it'd be way too good. It'd be my favorite card ever printed. And then you and permanence you control gain hexproof from blue and from black until end of turn. Once again, like that last piece is just like another green counterspell that draws you a card. <laughs> if they're trying to kill your thing, you cast this and it counters the spell and draws a card. So on its surface, it reads very much like a flash freeze or a, you know, death mark. But you realize that all the extra text just means that they were like, we'll just add draw a card to any version, <laughs> to any version of the colors you're targeting at instant speed in a color that has the most powerful creatures. And that's the problem, is that like you, you should not be able to counter-target spell, draw a card, in the, in the color that has the most powerful creatures without even touching blue. That's ridiculous. I mean, this is, this is kind of where I am at on it, on it, on, on, on Veil of Summer. It is the second most, it is now, before the ban announcement from two weeks ago, it was the, it, it was the most played card in the format. It is now the second most played card in the format. Number one is now Lightning Bolt, which I think is where modern should be. Lightning Bolt being the most played card in the format is where modern's happy place is. It is 30% of decks in the format are playing Veil of Summer. 26% of decks in the format are playing Aether Gust because it's good against Veil of Summer. <laughs> so, like, I think that that is not a sign to me of a healthy format. Um, which is why I, in general, would argue that the card is too powerful and probably should go. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, I just think, like, this is this is a sign of, like, Wizards being like, we're going to push our cards to be just a little bit more reactive and this turned out to be one of the examples where they're just a little too reactive um i i don't think it's good for magic to have these cards i i like looking at flash freeze and and death mark and thinking about them and, and celestial purge and being like oh this is a fun two of in my sideboard i don't like to think of them as like i probably could main deck this right <laughs> this is right, probably good enough right. to just play against the field the next the next two cards are really peanut butter and jelly other two things, metaphors, where they go together all the time, um, were on the ban list together for a long time, have now both finally been, re you know, reunited with each other. Um, Stoneforge Mystic at number six and Jace the Mind Sculptor at number five. Um, so I think I think to jump in here and just like sort of state my piece about these cards right to start is like. These cards, when when the format was started, were banned because they had an idea of what the format was going to be, and they felt the power level of these two cards was above where that format power level was. By today's standard, these are the power level of modern. They're not above it. They're not below it. They're really great cards. They're the kind of cards that when your opponents play them in a game, you're like, wow, your deck is just full of good cards. Like, you're playing the things you should be playing in this format. They're great. Like, it doesn't feel like Ponza. They haven't played some fun thing that's, like, taking advantage. It's not... They're not playing some shenanigans card in, like, you know, Hexproof or, 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 or Infect where they're, like, taking advantage of the mechanic. They're, like... They're just genuinely good, powerful cards that exist in the top echelon of the format. But they're not too good. I can beat you if you play Jace. I can beat a turn two Stoneforge. It's not... I don't even need Kologon's Command. It's just not that good. It's really good, but it's not way better than everything else I'm doing which is why these cards to me feel like they're almost representative of exactly where modern should be now in power level. 
Yeah, I think I think these are both really cool. I like love them. Stoneforge Mystic is one of my favorite cards of all time. Um, Jace not as much, but I, I like. I'm, I'm very happy that that what it's been able to do for blue in the format. There was a while where people thought blue was bad in modern, and Jace coming back has really kind of helped it in the format. Um, its ability to just you know both of these cards, I think, are, are, are where I want where where I want Magic to be in in, in internal formats. They're both fun there's good answers to them um and and i don't think like of the cards uh that are in the top seven i they're the only two that i'm like yeah i'm fine with these cards being legal <laughs> uh they're this yeah. high partially because they just have a proven track record like everything below them has a worse track record veil of summer arguably could be higher um but like doesn't have the like the chops of some of these other cards is the word I'm going to use just historically um, or like the ob- obvious problematicness of maybe these other cards uh, though Veil of Summer I think I, I rated Veil of Summer was my I ranked um, one two three four cards as nines and two cards as tens so I had Veil of Summer uh, pretty high um, but just you know we both ranked Stoneforge Mystic and Jace highly so so those just I think they're fair cards. I I like where they're at. They don't feel too good. They feel just right. Yep. Um, Next card. Number four. Once upon a time. (laughs) So this one is like really interesting because you and I talked on the podcast about this card a lot, right? So it's one green, one colorless. Uh, It it, it states that if this is in your opening hand, uh, you may play this card without paying its mana cost. uh, If it's the first first spell you played this turn, I believe it's look at the top five cards of your library, put a creature or land into your hand from among them, and I believe it's an instant. Um, So this card is like really good (laughs) in a format that it supports it. Like it just makes your deck go faster. It fixes your draws combined with the London Mulligan. It's really good. I've always said that I think like drawing this later in the game is just a totally fine draw spell, but having the upside early on is amazing. I, so it's sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say it's too like, good. Like it, yeah. like it's just like you don't want you don't really want these effects in a format like this. Modern is still should still be a step lower than like vintage and legacy. Like it's just, it should still be one notch lower. And this effect consistently and just like an innocuous card that everyone's playing is much more of a legacy effect than a modern effect. So I think it's fine to have it out of the format. We've, we've mentioned this on the podcast before. Frank Carson wrote a really good article that this just like lets you cut lands. This is ostensibly a land card in your deck and and allows you to kind of go for that. The fact that the London Mulligan made it so you can almost guarantee to have this in your opening hand and made every opening hand you had with this with the London Mulligan better because going down to five, but the fourth, the fifth card in that five is five cards deeper than you would have been able to see and is the best card of those five uh, is extremely powerful um and and then also i think i think the thing that late game that makes this card really good to draw is it's an instant right like on turn if you've already cast spells but on turn three you cast this and this is the spell you're going to cast you can pass the turn untapped bluff a counter spell actually have the counter spell and then at the end of their turn cast this digging five cards in and finding the cards you need so i think i think just like it's so efficient at every level and free spells are a mistake cantrips are a mistake or card selection cantrips are, are generally too powerful and free spells are too powerful. And this is a free card selection <laughs> cantrip. So I don't think it's surprising that this ended up being as good as it is. I think the fact that it was green was something that Wizards thought would get it out of the way. And like green cantrips are classically, this version are less played, but this one just put it over the top. Um, well, they just, it just green has been pushed so much the last few years, I think is why this guy and you don't need to play green for this card is right. the funny part right. like you, you don't really need you could just 
have a deck that discards the excess copies and just the early the early play is and, what's and good, the so. templating on i think was really powerful the fact that it's the first spell you cast each turn so you technically don't have to cast this until turn three and it's still free right like in modern i could play turn one tap land turn two untapped blue land hold this open on my turn three right. draw a card play this then get reflector mage or, or whatever and play it that like right like you can stack it so that like if you're an interactive deck, you can wait until the very last second to play this card. Um, next card on our list is, and I think it's the card that, like, I think every card that we've talked about in some way deserves to be banned, other than Stoneforge, Mystic, or, or Jace, which came off the ban list. Um, Field of the Dead. This is a land uh, that is also relatively intricate that I would like to read the exact wording it on it. It enters the battlefield tapped. It is colorless. It taps to add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Whenever a land enters the battlefield, if you control at least six other lands with different names than this land, you create a 2-2 zombie token and put it in onto the battlefield. So it's kind of a scapeshift e card. Uh, it has like that, once I have seven seven things, uh, yeah. which plays very well, obviously, with Growth Spiral. Um, this is so high because this feels like this and Teferi are the two cards that will probably get banned in Modern at some point. Like Gale of Summer. I think all three of those cards, like... like This, yeah, this card is kind of shenanigans. It's, it's... It being colorless is like a little bit of a that's like the red herring like like that it makes you think like oh in a land deck that wants to like play green to ramp this card is not a, but like who cares play this card as a half land slot and it's still so good I think this land is fine I think this land is still maybe too good but is pr probably fine if it's legendary right one of the issues this card has is that you can have multiples and play it once and so every additional one triggers it the fact that it doesn't it just needs the requirement to happen, and then it doesn't matter from that point on what land you play. Like, it's not like every time you play a land, if it's a different land, and you have this many different lands in play, make right, a zombie. Right, it's right, Landfall, you make a zombie. 11, 12, 13, and 14 all to be unique. You just need you just need the to have seven different seven. ones, and then every land triggers. Which is, like, different than Valakut, right? Like, Valakut needs only mountains. If you play a non-mountain, yeah. no longer counts. Valakut doesn't like you anymore. <laughs> and so that, like, puts yeah. a little bit more requirements on your mana base and, and how you play it. Uh, and, and also it's kind of the arguments, like when Ayula's influence was, 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 um, uh, previewed, we had a very long yeah. conversation of it versus, uh, uh, assault, um, and why seismic, making, assault, seismic yeah. assault and why making a two, two, uh, bear is more powerful than doing three damage or doing two damage to any target. And, and it ostensibly led to on a grindier matchup perspective, the bear is just a more valuable, you're drawing a card off of the bear versus the other card, which is only really good for combo potential. So Valkyrie's only really great when I'm like, I win, I killed you. And maybe right. in long grindy games, eventually I do three damage to you once a turn, but those are the worst case scenario. And 99% of the time I Valkyrie, I win with field of the dead though. It's like, Oh, I play a land. I have a zombie. Now I can block with that zombie next turn. I play another land. Now I'll, uh, I have a zombie again, block again, play, play field of dead. Number two, I have two zombies play another land two more. Like eventually you just grind your opponent out in a way that's pretty miserable and extremely difficult, difficult to interact with. Um, I think field no of the dead could have been a either, either legendary or could have specified, if you control a card named Field of the Dead, create one zombie token, and it's the only zombie token you create this turn or something. Uh, there's some some way to template it so that only one of them could trigger would have been like 
the thing, but like the fact that you can have multiples, they're non-legendary, they all trigger. So like fetch lands just go nuts is like just the thing that makes me feel like this will get banned. Um, and and that's why I put it so high. Yep, same purely. The, uh, the this is a this is one of the two cards I gave a ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really the next card is to fairy time raveler. We both gave it a nine. Uh, it is. I'll, I'll jump in first and just say that of of the cards that are legal that that are not <laughs> the number one card. Uh, this is the number one card that I think will be banned, and it's just because it it fun- like like at one point Eric Wydetz, uh one of the the, the founders of Highlander uh, Gauntlet, and I were talking about sort of most powerful mechanics, and one of the mechanics we talked about was split second. It was like because it fundamentally invalidates the way you play Magic. That's like why even though there weren't that many cards printed that had necessarily that mechanic that were that good still the existence of the mechanic was like, I can't do the thing magic is designed to have me do. I've like trained this way for 20 years and I can't do it. And like Teferi makes you, reminds you that the opportunity cost of playing it is so low. They've gained, they've drawn a card. If they don't kill it right away, now the rest of the game, like magic doesn't function the same way. It's just, it's just kind of a boring, useless game. Um, and and I think that to me is like it's not fun, but it's also so 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 powerful for three mana, and it draws you a card. Who like my my question is if if Teferi had, had three loyalty, not four, same exact exact same thing. So it means to get to to play it, you have to get rid of it to draw the card. Do you think the card would be anywhere near as good, or do you think it would be like whatever? Like you're, you you get your effect, but you're not going to draw a card. You have to plus it up to four. I think it's worse by a lot uh but not enough to make it not miserable the the drawing a card isn't why it's miserable i think it's a worse card but i think that yeah cutting off instant speed effects which just turn half the cards off making it so hard to fight and the bounce effect on top of that makes it so that like the way you interact with the person just like is basically they can do everything and you get to do nothing i think is what makes this card problematic the card draw is almost just like tons of salt on the wound <laughs> and makes Teferi much better on an empty board, right? If I like just play him, I can bounce my own thing for value. Um, so like, like, yeah, I think, I think that that's where I'm at on the card. It's just, I think he's too, too good at making the game unfun. And that's, I, I think that's also, I would say of my like three cards that I can want to be banned or can see being banned, this is lowest for me. I think Field of the Dead and Veil of Summer are, are more likely to be banned first. But other than the fact that they just kind of made this big announcement that Teferi sucks. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, because it's just, he he's 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 more unfun than necessarily good in modern. There's like abrupt decays in modern too, so there's just like better ways to kill him yeah. in the format. Um, and And just like from those perspectives, I think it's okay. Uh, versus Field the Dead and Veil of Summer, which like are interacting. Veil of Summer is an, inter- an interesting card that's similar to the Fairy, right? It's like you no longer get to play Magic, and I get to take advantage of it by drawing cards. Um, Field the Dead just is like also breaks Magic. Like all three of these cards are just like Magic no longer works. I think if I, I think if Teferi is printed with a three loyalty, like I said, and plusing Teferi is the move when you play him, usually because you don't want to lose him. It just means that instead of drawing a card, people will spend the next turn trying to deal with the four loyalty, and often they won't be able to. Um, sometimes they'll get it down, but that early in the game, often four loyalty will be too much. And then you'll draw a card the next turn, probably, or you'll respond and plus again, and it will just be a slightly more grindy, maybe like, I guess, slightly more fair, but just like so much more in your favor because of the non instant speed thing. 
But I actually think that even at three, it would have been worse, but still probably dominant in the same way. I think like barely, like less, like like probably more like on the level of, I don't know, like Narset maybe. Like maybe it would have, maybe it would have been like the same level as Narset. Like really good, but not like just like a total pain in the ass. Yeah, having to um, sacrifice it as a bounce spell the turn you cast it, I think does does make it a lot worse, right? That's that's I think the, the where I would say it would have been. A but like, card. but like even then, right? Like, okay, so if you think about that card, is like I'm going to spend three mana to bounce your permanent and draw a card because that's like what I have to do this turn. That's still pretty good. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh no, it's definitely good. I'm not like all versions. Of it's like it's like, it's like it's like it's like basically like kind of recoil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah. give or take, right? It's like it's like give or take, like a really good card from back in the day. Um, but people but play, also, people play like the play kicker, bounce a, bounce a permanent, draw a card if you kick it, right? Like that card's played in competitive formats, not in modern. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like we're also like talking about like how to make this card better or worse. Yeah, sure. Like like the kind of the conversation gets to, I think reflector mage is borderline in in some ways, right? And like it's much worse than this card. But like yeah. a lot. <laughs> so like Yeah, I think that's that's where like like similar to Growth Spiral and um Growth Spiral and not Far Seek. What's the what's the the what's Growth Spiral without blue? Explore. Explore, Growth Spiral and Blue. Like these two cards seem more powerful than those cards and comparable. Well um, we have I believe one card left. Yes, and we are very far in this episode so let's get to it he has stolen some crowns he's turned some people <laughs> into an elk uh he did heal garrick garrick is no longer evil either due to oko directly or actions that he caused to put him into that position it is oko thief of crowns actually it's oko's the trickster it's the six mana oko most powerful card. That's, right, that's the one, yeah. That's the one. Uh, so, but uh, Oko, I have a rant about Oko Trickster, but we'll talk about that. Oko Thief of Crowns, plus two, create a food token for loyalty, plus one, target artifact or creature, loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness. Eat it. Three, three. Minus five exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. This card single-handedly broke magic for three months <laughs> i feel like the card itself is one of the ultimate all-time examples of a card that based on design the designers and the immediate audience could not tell this was the level that it was when it was printed we we all thought it was we all knew like okay this is this is a three-man planeswalker it's pretty cool this is pretty cool but we didn't like all immediately go like oh yeah like this is like the stupidest most unfun card that i've seen uh, we were all like, oh, yeah, it's a three-mana Planeswalker. It's in blue-green. Blue-green is classically not that good, so let's see what happens. And then looking back, it's like, it doesn't matter what format this is in. This card is just, like, really, 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 really offensive. It's, it's <laughs> awful. Offensive. I mean, what was, what was really interesting <laughs> at the time, uh, I, I don't know if our listeners remember, but you had to have back surgery, like, right around when Eldraine came out. So you, yeah, went, like, yep. you like, went from paying attention to the magic, and Oko was previewed... Uh, I, th I think the set was fully previewed. Like we, you maybe even were able to like pay attention to the pre-release, and then you. I missed the review, though. I definitely missed. Yeah, the you review. missed the review, yeah. and then you like weren't on the podcast for months, you, or for like a month. You didn't really talk about it. You weren't really thinking about magic too much. You weren't paying attention to the format, and you come back, and we like are doing a ranking of something, or or I think, and then I'm just like, 
Oko's, or you like have a conversation like what the best planeswalker of all time is like it's Oko, and you're like, no, that card can't be good. What it makes a food token, and I'm like, no, it's it's like it's broken magic. <laughs> <laughs> this is this. Not only is this the best planeswalker ever printed, it could be on a short list of best card ever printed. Um, part of it is is you know the elk token capability uh, of like making a beast within it's basically beast within every turn right that's like that's like its base ability uh food tokens being artifacts i think was a, another thing that like people didn't expect as older formats you got into the synergies that that created was was so beneficial um like there are decks that literally look at like an artifact being in play just that does nothing is almost drawing a card and so oko drew them a card every turn and then when it wasn't doing that, it was making it so any threat anyone played ever was no longer a threat. It was now a 3-3 elk that was pretty manageable to deal with. And then um, the fact that it was all pluses, so just like fighting in Oko was miserable because your creature was just a 3-3 and you were dealing like it comes into play. It's now at five loyalty. You have a 3-3 and from every turn that point on, your 3-3 is dealing against a 4-4 that's building and building. And in the meantime, they're stopping what you're doing beyond that. Yeah, this card is miserable. It's, it's what's, what's hilarious about this card is that if you had made this card Oko Thief of Crowns, because it has no minus ability that's that's low cost. So if you, you could have made this card actually loyalty two when it came down. And if you had done that, it would have actually meant that plus two to create a food token makes it makes it four, right? And then like another food tokens. Now you've got like pretty good advantage. Like I have two permanents, I'm gonna gain life. The next turn I can gain control of things, uh, right? Or if I make it two, like like you could have made this card actually just two loyalty and it would have been fine. It wouldn't have been good, but it would have been fine uh, because the plus the, the plus one is actually like fine. If you play it mid game, often it's going to like make something good, not good anymore. And then it becomes three and then like their three power thing can attack it directly to kill it if you if they want to. It's just it being four and plusing to go to six on turn one is just like I'll never deal with it. <laughs> I have to have something so good to deal with this. Right. Otherwise, you already have won the game by playing this card. Yep. That's what it always feels like when I play against it. And it's 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 like people have had a lot of conversations like how do you make this card fine? And people have like make the plus one and minus one and like kind of the conversation be like I don't think that actually works. I think that's still problematic. Making the plus two, a plus one, like all the different knobs you could have twisted on it. And it, it, I think what it's really interesting about it is a, it's like just glut of loyalty is, is an issue. But I think B just like, it's powerful in a way that nothing had been before the, like kind of the closest card I can think of is almost Sphinx's revelation, right? Like it's just sustainability and card advantage. Um, I just, yeah, I like it. it it's cool. I'm like, Oko being so broken is cool to me because of how, weird it is right no card has ever been powerful like this card it's not like it's not like like if they printed one red do four damage to any target right or like or like or like uh blue blue draw four right like right, sorcery right. yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like oh my god the rate here is crazy it's like and those i looked at it and was like yeah. i looked at it and was like yeah, this card's like a stupid three mana planeswalker. It's fine. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like I looked at this card and was like, felt the way I felt about it that I felt about like Sahili Ray. Like maybe like plus one. Like, oh, it's probably I could see this being really good. Not like but like but like not that more than not that much more than like this card will be pretty cool. 
Whereas like I look at it now and I'm like, this is horrible. This is this should have had one loyalty. <laughs> like this could have this with one loyalty, it still would have probably been really good. Yep. 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 Agreed. I honestly I think it should have been like a five mana walker. Like this card at five mana, I think, is how you make it fair. Like no other yep. piece of word changed. Just five mana for this. And I think the card is still a standard all-star. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yep. So that is us, our ranking of every card banned in standard since 2016. For all we know, this list is going to be outdated in three months. Uh, you know, Uro is still out there. Um, being legal. <laughs> uh, and and Uro's really good. And I believe we have one more set at, a, at least until we start seeing the like reevaluation of the power level of fire. Um, if not two, so so both Battle for Zen or Zendikar Rising and whatever is following that set uh, are going to be sets that we um, could be at high power levels as well. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, thanks so much for everyone listening. Once again, check out our Patreon. It helps us make sure this podcast keeps happening. It literally is keeping it alive. Thank you all of our patrons. Uh, pinkies up to you. Um, thank you. Uh, for all our subscribers uh, and followers, uh, we, we appreciate all the interaction we get from you in every episode. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, we're just like stoked every day that people like listening to us talk <laughs> about magic. Um, please, if you're watching this for the first time, like and subscribe. Uh, if you're not watching for the first time, but you're just a, a, a loyal uh, MM cast fan and or weekly watcher, press that like button. It does help. Comment. I want to hear if you think any of our rankings were insane, that uh, we should have had Oko at the worst card, that Veil of Summer doesn't need to be banned. I want to hear how you think I'm wrong. I live, I breathe off of, uh, uh, of that. Um, and then make sure to follow us. I'm at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram and on Twitch, actually twitch.tv slash Ben Bateman Streaming. I've been streaming a whole bunch of Historic recently. Uh, I climbed uh, from from like, you know, gold all the way to, you know, basically Mythic, uh, almost Mythic um, this last week. And I'll be doing more of that this month. So um, go check out my, my Twitch. Yep. And uh, I'm Cass Wiley everywhere. So Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, K-E-S-S-W-Y-L-I-E on the internet is me everywhere and i'd love to hang out yeah. and we i, I we, we do the stream for a commander on my twitch and then on uh the youtube channel but you're here now hopefully or if you're listening to podcast uh not there <laughs> uh thanks so much everybody we'll talk to you guys uh next week bye guys bye this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future